First Chronicles chapter 13. And David is having a longing. God has placed on his heart to bring the ark back to Jerusalem or to the tabernacle of David. It's going to be Jerusalem. The Philistines have had the ark for a period. God wreaked havoc on their God. If you know, if you know the story, Dagon was placed before the ark. Like, look what we have done. Dagon falls over and breaks off his hands because he can't do anything. And then the next, they're like, oh, Dagon fell over. And so they pick him up the next night and he falls over and breaks off his head because he can't see, speak, or give us any guidance. And I just think it's kind of interesting. God strikes him with tumors. And I won't get into what kind of tumors, but he strikes them with tumors and with rats. So they put the ark, these rats and tumors um, in the ark and they have an ox, two, uh, a pair of oxen that have just given birth and have never been yoked. How many of you know that mama oxen wants to be with the baby? And if you have ever tried to break an animal that's never been yoked or ridden, how many have ever done that? How many of you have ended up on your rear end? Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. My cousin, who was a lot older than me, had horses. And when I was in my junior and high school years, he allowed me to break a few of them. Um, I thought it was fun at that time. Now I'd be in traction somewhere. But anyway, these oxen are, are, they put the the, um, ark on a new ox cart. They slap the oxen on the rear end and say, if it goes to Israel, we're going to know that this judgment was distracted was was um, given by the hand of God of the Israelis, and if it goes some other path, we're going to know it's just haphazard. And so what happens is these oxen, never been yoked with babies in the barn, take the, the um, cart back to Israel. Pretty remarkable story. So it's been there, it was in, at that place for 20 years, and then for another 30 or 40 years during the, the reign of Saul, they never had the ark. They never sought the ark of the covenant, which was the presence of God to the Israelis. So I think that's interesting. So for a period of 50 to 60 years, Israel has been without the ark of the covenant. So David has this idea, and we pick up in chapter 13 of 1 Chronicles. David consulted all of his officials, including the generals and captains of his army, Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of God, let us send messages to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and the Levites in their towns and pasture lands, and let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring the ark of God, the presence of God back. We neglected it during the entire reign of Saul. Verse four is key. The whole assembly agreed to this for the people could see it was the right thing to do. So David sends out the summons and when all of the people come together, they put the ark on a ox cart and they are dancing before the Lord. They're bringing the the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem. How many know the ark of the covenant is not supposed to be on an ox cart? It's supposed to be carried by whom? The Levites are supposed to be carried. And guess what? Revelation says that we are priests unto our God. So we, in the New Testament, carry the presence of God within us. And so they carry the presence of God on the ox cart. And Uzzah and and Ahio, who were brothers, but also Levites, who knew the scriptures, knew the Torah, knew what God spoke to Moses, that the Levites were to carry the presence. Let's jump down. 
And uh, they placed the, in verse seven, they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house. And Uzzah and Ahio were guiding the, the cart and David and all of Israel were celebrating. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out to steady the ark. And what happened to Uzzah? He died deader than a doornail. God struck him dead. Now, if I'm reading this story, I'm like, Jeez, God is harsh. This is terrible. I can't believe it. And then the the Lord's anger aroused against Uzzah and struck him dead because he laid his hand on the ark. How many have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, you know what happens when you touch or open the ark? You die because the, the evil of man cannot touch the presence of God. Thank God we live in the new covenant. And David, verse 11, was angry because the Lord's anger burst out against Uzzah and he named the place Perez Uzzah, which means God's breaking out against Uzzah, as it is still called to this day. And David was now afraid of God and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of God back to my care? So David did not move the ark into the city of David. Instead, he took it to, I love this guy's name, to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath, which was a Philistine. And the ark remained at Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom's household because the presence of God was there. Just like I believe Peterson's awning is blessed because we're here. And Ducks Unlimited is blessed because we're here. And people in your neighborhood are blessed because you're there. And people at work are blessed because you work there. And people are blessed at the school you go to because you go to school there. That's because we have the presence of God residing within us. I believe something takes place when God's people are in a place, that place around them should be affected by the presence of God. But that's another text. Principles from this text. The first is this. Desire alone does not mean you've heard God. F.B. Meyer, one of my favorite authors, says this, opportunity alone does not constitute the will of God. You've probably heard me say that since I've been here a year because I say it about every other day. Opportunity alone does not constitute the will of God. Just because you see something that you think is God doesn't mean the timing's right, the way is right. I think it's so interesting that, that the whole assembly agreed as the people could see, this was the right thing to do. David sought counsel. He sought his generals. He invited the Levites. He said, we're going to do this. Guess what? You can have all the counsel you want, but if you haven't heard God, you're still in trouble. I believe the counsel of men is to confirm what you've heard from God, not the other way around. People come to clergy, to pastors, and say, pastor, I need to hear God. Can you help me hear God? I can steer you to the scripture. I can steer you to examples of my own life, but I have a hard enough time hearing God myself than trying to hear God for you. Follow me? I believe the counsel of people is to confirm what God is already speaking to you. By the way, if you spend time in this book, this book, we have the opportunity now since 330 AD, we have the canon of scripture where we can read and hear God. You want to know God's will? It's in his word. If God says it, you know, it's in his word. By the way, how many have ever seen the bumper sticker? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I just want to say this, if God said it, that settles it. That settles it. That's a boom, that's an amen. That's a mic drop moment for God. 
If God said something to you, you know, yes, belief needs to enter in the equation, but I want to tell you something. God's will is done many times in spite of us. Counsel is important, but the counsel of others should be confirmation. The second thing is this. The church cannot derive its ways from the Philistines. The Philistines had a brand new ox cart. Why? Because they were pagan. Because they were unbelievers. I see so much stuff happening in the church today where we take what's successful in the world and try to bring it into the church. I believe God, you know, why should the devil have all the good music? But I I believe... um, Randy Norman said that in the 70s when I first got saved. And I I believe it. I believe there are things that we need to redeem. Right? But just because it's successful doesn't mean it's God. Because the world is using a new ox cart, the church builds a better one. Shinier. Better wood. Looks nicer. We We have oxen that have done this before. We know how to do it. And so we just implement without hearing God. We cannot do just because it's successful. Even at another place. Vintage is not another place. I believe each church has a unique fingerprint from God, unique DNA that God wants to use to reach a certain people in a certain place. If, if God moves in Fort Collins and Loveland and the counties around us, guess what? There's not enough churches to hold the people. We're not the only game in town, but God wants to do something here that's unique, Right? And if people want a Nazarene church, there's great Nazarene churches in town. We need to hear God and obey God. And that's what I love about our pastor. I can brag on him because he's not here. I love the fact that Pastor Greg does seek God. It amazes me. You know when I've said many times I want my kids and grandkids to supersede me? Greg's a spiritual son to me. Now I work for him. But the fact is, he superseded me in so many ways. And I love that. The fact is, he will not move until he's heard God. And I really believe that. David's desire was right, church, but he didn't have the how. The ark was to be carried by the people of God. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, David says, because you Levites did not carry the ark the first time, the anger of our God burst out against us. We failed to ask God how to move it properly. I was talking to a couple people that after the first gathering, because they're here because they want to see if I preach the same sermon twice. But the fact is, It was just, if you're in the word on a daily basis, the will of God is not that difficult to figure out. It's a truth. Timing and how to need sometimes to be honed, right? But if God says carry the ark by the Levites, you don't put it on a cart. It's that simple. And Uzzah and his brother were trained Levites. They were trained in the things of God. So you say, man, God was harsh to him. God just took him to heaven in a different way. The how-to. And what happens when we don't do the how-to the way God says to, we come up with all of these whys. Oh, probably a month ago, a month and a half ago, a month ago, I was walking right here on a Friday morning because we pray, and I, I claim the stage. And I, I, I just pace and pray on the stage. And people are pacing and praying all over the place. And I love it. I love our Tuesday morning and our Friday morning prayer times and our Wednesday night prayer times. And I'm praying, and I'm kind of melancholy. And if you know me, that's not me. 
I'm normally like, let's go get him, you know, that type of guy. And, and this dad's kind of like, yeah, let's try to get him, maybe. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually walking in depression, and I'm not normally, that's not who I am. And all of a sudden, I realized, looked at my watch, and I was like, calendar, and I was like, man, there was something that happened to me years ago the same week. And all of a sudden, I realize, even though I believe I've been healed, there's still a why in my heart. Why did it happen, God? I thought we were right. I thought we were like this, Lord. Why did that event happen? And, and the Lord began to show me again that hurt people hurt people, right? And healed people heal people. But when people are hurt, they strike out out of their hurt. And it's not that I was so righteous. It just left an indelible mark on my life. A scar on my life. When, when we, when we um, and then and what was playing is a song. It was the word of the Lord. It was a song through Bethel that God is healing our memories. How many know God can do stuff like that? He can have a CD play exactly or your playlist exactly what you need at that moment. And I'm standing right here and God says, Gary, I want to I heal some memory." I want to heal something new. I told the first gathering, I jumped out of a swing when I was in fifth grade, came down, I can't bend my knee that much because it really, if you want to pray for a creative miracle, I need new cartilage. And I, from a football injury when I was 16, but I jumped out of a swing and bit through my pants to my kneecap. But I cut my lips so bad that it was bleeding like a stuck pig and I just got blood running out. I run home, my dad takes me to the emergency room. Not until I'm on the exam table do I realize I bit through my pants because my mouth hurts so bad. And the doctor goes, no, we can't do anything about the stitches. I still have some scars. He goes, lips are very difficult to stitch. He goes, it'll heal on its own. You'll just look like you've been in a fight. But he goes, we need to look at this, your pant leg, and so are your pants, because it's all bloody. And all of a sudden, I'm like, that hurts even more. That really hurts now. And what I did, I ended up getting five stitches, because I bit through to my kneecap. And I could show you the scar now. I have a nasty scar, but guess what? Because it's been healed, it's been healed. By the way, it got infected and the stitches ripped out and I had them restitched. It was a mess. So, but I don't look at that and go, oh man, that hurts so bad. I got a limp because when I was in fifth grade, I bit through my pants and I bit to my kneecap. You know, I don't do that. I just look at the scar and it's kind of funny to tell you how it happened. But not only that, I have a scar that goes this way because I... Uh, it was a chainsaw, and then I have a scar that goes down like this because I fell, a true story, and I went boom, through this piece of wood too quickly because I just cut some oak. Oak's tough, and then I cut some alder. Alder's not, and I went through the thing so quick. If it wasn't the grace of God, I could have like zoomed my kneecap off. So I have a scars going this way, scar across this way, a scar going down that way because I fell off a brick wall and hit the corner. And um, I was that son. I was that boy. yeah. I was that one, never broke a bone, but I sure am scarred up. But I was fun. That's why I love adventure to this day. But anyway, what happens? Oh, man, I hate that clock. What happens is, what happened to David? David got angry. And when we ask the why without healing coming to our heart, we get angry. We get angry to the point David renamed this event you know what the, the, the threshing floor is for? It's when you throw up wheat and the chaff blows away and the good stuff falls. See, they are at the threshing floor where God was dealing with them. 
Anybody been at the threshing floor before? It's a lot of fun. It's like, wait a minute, God, I like that piece of wheat when it had more cover on it. It looked nicer. And God says, no, you can't make good bread with chaff. And so they were at the threshing floor. And listen to what Nahon, or in other translations, it says Kadon means certain, secure, permanent, prepared. That's where they were at. And David renames it, God broke out against Uzzah. How many times have I renamed a hurt in my life? And it says to this day, it's named that. To this day, they changed the name. I know in my own life, there's times where I go through something, I am so marked, I not only have the scar, I have the pain from the scar, and I remember that, and I've renamed that. That's when so-and-so did such and such to me. That's when that happened to me. That's when that change happened. That's when that happened. Why did that happen? When they were crying out for food, God sends them manna. They're like, what is it? Manna, what is it? Manna, what is it? Manna, because manna means what is it? <laughs> and they wanted quail. They wanted quail. They wanted meat. They wanted leeks. They wanted garlic. They wanted toothbrushes after leeks and garlic. They, it's a true story. And they, they, missed, they missed the manna because they were saying, what is it? To the point where they got, we loathe this miserable food. It was bread sent from God. How many of us have missed the bread sent from God because we renamed it? What the heck is this? What is going on in my life? Why did this happen to me? I've served God faithfully. Why is that? Why is this? Why is that? And I want to tell you something. It wasn't that I haven't been healed from that event several years ago. It was just a new layer that needed to be massaged and healed. It's kind of like a peeling back Garlic or peeling back an onion. Sometimes we got to get back to a different level and God heals us to the point we need to be healed. Then something happens, we need to have some layers peeled back and we need healing. It doesn't mean I wasn't healed. It doesn't mean that I wasn't, hadn't forgiven. It just meant I had a new dose. God was healing some memories. I can look at the scar and not remember the pain. That's what God wants to do. That's called life. That's why things happen. That's why bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. Sorry, Don Henley wrote a song saying, get over it. It's time to get over it. It's time to walk where we need to walk. Follow me? Because if not, we'll live in that anger. And when you're angry, guess what happens? It turns into bitterness. And when it turns into bitterness, it defiles your kids and then your grandkids and your family. And then the next generation can't get over that because you are the one that had the grace. The second thing is fear. He removes himself from the very thing that can help him. He says, who can even touch the ark? How can I bring it back? How many of us are, because of our hurt, are not going to the source? I'm gonna quit going to church. I'm gonna quit reading my Bible. I'm gonna quit hanging out with God's people. Who are you hurting? God? No, but we do it, don't we? And so he, he removes himself by his fear. The, the fear of the, the presence of God, it strikes out against people. You know, I knew somebody loved God with all their heart and they died in a car wreck. God doesn't love them, he can't love me. We don't, know the, we don't know what God is doing. The third thing is we regret. Listen to what regret means. The pain of mind on account of something done or experienced in the past with a wish that it had been different. We look back with dissatisfaction and a longing 
to something better happen to us. It's grief, it's sorrow. I know none of you ever live in regret. I have. Because when you are angry and you remove yourself from the presence of God, then the enemy's there to whisper. You should have, you could have, you didn't, why didn't you? Even though maybe 10% is your fault and 90% is somebody else's fault, the fact is all of a sudden that's reversed because you have this regret. If I wouldn't have done that, they wouldn't have said that. They wouldn't have hurt me like that. I wouldn't have lived in that. And we live in regret. And the fourth thing that happens is we live in shame. How many know he's taken away our shame? That, that was a great place to say yes. Yeah, he's taken away our shame. Shame is the painful feeling of having done something or perceived to have done something that was dishonorable. It has to do with reputation and character. Listen to this. Guilt is judicial. Shame is relational. Jesus has dealt with the guilt at the cross which took away our shame. It has to do with self-identity. And we don't have time to get into this, but there are people in the church living in shame when Jesus has taken your guilt, he also wants to take your shame. And by relationship, it's up to you. Everybody look at me, we're getting close. I've got two minutes. Um, actually, I'm over. Um, God has taken your shame. You don't have to live there. You don't have to live in that. He's, you know what forgiveness means? To lift up and take away. To lift up and take away. There's no more marks by your name. And, and so God wants, so how did David overcome this? If you read chapter 15, he overcame it by going to the Levites and saying, how are we supposed to do this? And he did it the right way. And then he invited others to join with him doing it the right way. And then what's amazing is after he did it the right way and, and, and asked others to join, David is all in. Some of you are not all in because you're pain. God wants to remove the pain so that you can be all in. And David, three months, it took three months. You know, the time between his sin with Bathsheba and when David repented was at least nine months because there's a baby involved. So we think sometimes, well, Pastor Gary says I'm just supposed to get over it. Sometimes it does take some time. It took David three months to realize he needed to seek God to find out how to move the ark. I'm not saying let it take years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I'm talking about there may be some distance. There may be some time element. There may be some things. I always say this, and if your name's Bill, I don't know you. But if Uncle Bill is a child molester, you don't let him babysit children, but you can forgive him. Right? You say, You're, that's so calloused and snarky. That's not what I'm saying. My point is this. Forgiveness is not trusting somebody. Forgiveness is releasing that person. We've all heard this, that we drink the poison and hope somebody else dies. But forgiveness is this. We don't even give them the poison. We give Jesus the poison and say, God, whatever you do with them is up to you. I'm releasing them. And that may take some time. And then what David does, he's all in. And then the last thing, his own wife mocks him for dancing. 
You're going to have people mock you. You have some people made close to you mock you. But I want to tell you, when you've allowed God to do what he wants, it's this. He says, I'll be even more undignified. I'll be even more crazy for God. Right? There's going to be people that think you're a fool. Be a fool for Christ. Walk where he's asking you to walk. That's what we need in this. The fear of God versus the fear of man. I want to trust the Lord. I want to say, God, you're calling me to bring the ark, the presence of God, to your people. And sometimes I'm going to be misunderstood, but I'm going to trust in what you've said, not what I've done. Let's pray. Let's pray.